Well, good morning and welcome to the gathering here at Trace. How are we doing today, guys? Good, good. I'm so glad you guys are here with us. My name is Corey. I am one of the pastors here at Trace, and uh, it is a privilege every time that we have an opportunity to be able to speak to you guys. I don't know if you know this or not, but in order to actually be on staff here at Trace, it actually requires that you have a double major, both in Bible and kinesiology. Uh, That's actually not true at all. Uh, I I do not have anything close resembling an exercise science degree. That is not my background, like my counterpart, Aaron. Uh, My my wife, though, did study to be a personal trainer. However, she tells me that I'm a fat man in a skinny man's body. So uh, now that I've thoroughly disqualified myself from talking to you guys about anything fitness. That's what I'm going to do, all right? Uh, we, we are actually uh, we're continuing on in a series uh, called Faith and Fitness, and while I don't have those credentials behind me, I, I've been around athletics and sports, and I have an intrigue with the body and how it correlates towards spiritual things, and so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to have some correlations between faith and, and fitness, and what you're going to find out, and hopefully you've seen over the last several weeks that we've been in this series, is that the, the spiritual and the physical are, are not that far apart, and a lot of times they overlap to help give us a greater degree of understanding. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about fit for purpose. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, turn them on, flip to them to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible here with you today, a couple options for you. We'll have the scriptures up on the screen, or you can go out to guest services. Um, there's also an app on a phone called the Version. It's a great way to be able to have the Bible everywhere you go on your phone. Now, we're going to approach this a little differently this week than we have in the past several weeks. Uh, and, and this is how we're going to approach it. We're actually we're going to take a concept... Uh, and, and we're going to take two different avenues. We're going to take a, a faith avenue and a fitness avenue, the, the spiritual and the physical. And we're going to arrive um, at this concept to help us better understand that. And so to start off today, we're going to jump on the spiritual road to get us kicked off. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says this. There's a guy named Paul. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says, therefore, I, Paul, beg you, plead with you urge you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Now that word calling is a, is a word that we use in the, in the church word, uh, world oftentimes to, to denote a specific task or, or a position that is, that is given to somebody. For, for instance, I'm, I'm called to be a pastor or I'm called to, to be a missionary or I'm called to be a prophet. And, and this, is, this is just in... Um, I sense that there's a big game next week and that the Patriots are going down. So I don't know if anybody else would, would echo that or not. So uh, I am not a prophet, by the way, and uh, most of my prophecies have not come true, so don't stone me for that, all right? Uh, but I will be rooting against the Patriots along with most of the rest of the world. So, you know, speaking of uh, Super Bowl, just, just so you guys know, Super Bowl is one of those American holidays that really provides an opportunity for us to actually be good neighbors and extend ourselves to people, maybe host a Super Bowl party or like wiggle your way into somebody else's. That's even better, all right? But go get to know your neighbors through the Super Bowl party, okay? Now, Paul makes this statement. He is a theologian making a statement to church people. But one of the cool things about the Bible, uh, regardless of what your thoughts are on it, you don't have to believe that it's actually Scripture in order to gain wisdom or practical insight from this. You see, the words that the theologian Paul is speaking are things that the philosopher Paul would speak to somebody who doesn't believe in God or doesn't follow the same idea of a calling. But the philosopher would say it a little bit differently. This is how he would say it. I beg you. I plead with you, I urge you to live a life worthy of your purpose. 
That word purpose is worth pursuing. And it's something that we're going to talk about today. It's something that is intrinsically designed in us to seek after, to find, to figure out. Matter of fact, there's, there's questions that we all ask ourselves at different stages of our lives. And there's been research done on this topic uh, specifically with kids, the, the, the kind of questions that kids ask of themselves. And, and this study was done by uh, this guy named Reggie Joyner and a gal, Christy, uh, Kristen Ivey. And, and here are some of the things that, that kids ask themselves at different stages of life. Okay, preschoolers tend to ask uh, am I questions. Am I safe? Am I okay? Am I able? Right? At the elementary level, it switches to kind of a, a do I statement. Do, do I have your, uh, do I have any uh, friends? Do I have what it takes? Do I have your attention? Uh, by way, uh, just a quick side note, one of the things that we are constantly hearing more and more from kids is, uh, I wish my parents would put down their phone and pay attention to me. Okay, that is convicting. I don't know if it is for you, but it is certainly for me. Okay, and then we move from some concrete ideas to, to more philosophical questions. Middle school students start, start, start to ask things like, who do I like and who am I and where do I belong? And it gets into the more philosophical and abstract in high school. Why should I believe and how can I matter and what do I do? Now, we realize that kids are asking these questions. It's one of the reasons why at Trace, uh, one of our major focuses is, is about next generations. Okay? We, we are all about next generations because we want to help them to be able to answer these questions in a way that's going to give them life and a hope and a future. And one of the best ways that we know to do this is to get them away at a summer camp or an activity. We have something coming up. It's called Summer Changes Everything for your kids ages 3 all the way up to graduated high school students. Okay, uh, And so just jump online and check out what's available this summer for your kids. Start to get them plugged in now for that because we believe that this kind of environment can change everything in the course of your kid's life. Now, I don't know when, and I don't know how. Maybe it's a conglomerate of, of, of these questions that we ask ourselves in our youth, but somewhere along the way, we start to ask ourselves probably one of the most basic and intrinsic questions, and we might not even verbalize it, and we might even be pursuing it, but we ask it deep down inside our hearts, and here's the question. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Now, Rick Warren, in his uh, famous book, uh, Purpose Driven Life, he, he puts it this way. He says, what on earth am I here for? And that's a question that no matter what your belief in God is, uh, it, it, you have that question. Now, if you believe that there's a God, if you believe that he's a creator and that he's in charge of things, you might ask it differently. It might be, what am I created for? But it's the same question that burns in all of us, regardless of where we're at on our journey with God. And, and I would contend that figuring out your purpose oftentimes determines what you do, uh, maybe your occupation. It, it might determine where you live and even who you do life with. But the truth be told, we oftentimes get discouraged in our pursuit of purpose. And, and some of us, quite frankly, have just settled for something less than what we have actually been designed or created for. So let me just encourage you. This topic, the pursuit of purpose, is important not only for you, but for those around you. And I'm going to make a case for that today. Let's, let's continue on that, that faith avenue as we, as we keep purpose in our purview, okay? Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 3 and 7. Paul continues on. He says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Okay, now, uh, 
hang with me as I piece this together for the sake of time. Okay, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying oftentimes our differences causes division in us and we can miss out on the bigger picture that we're a part of. And so in this game of life, in this church atmosphere, there is something that we're a part of, a mission that we must be united on on the bigger picture side of things. And, and that reigns true even for us here at Trace. For instance, our mission at Trace is this, to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And that needs to be front and center, the big part of, of all of us as we think about how to accomplish that together here at Trace, not allowing our differences to divide us, okay? But this is what he's saying about that. If we tried to fulfill that mission uh, this mission at Trace, and we all went to the same places and we did the same things and we, we ministered to the same people, we would be missing out on the bigger vision of, this, of the mission that God has given us. We'd make a big impact in a very small population, but we'd miss out on leaving a trace everywhere we go. What, what Paul is trying to communicate to us is that it's important to be united in mission, but not to be unified in how we go about it. All right, so unity, but not uniformity. You know, I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine at Qdoba the other day, and, and he asked me a strange question. He says, uh, uh, what, what are the things that make up a, a superhero? Uh, what are the things that make up a superhero? I'm like, uh, uh, you got me. Tell, tell me what they are, okay? And so he said, well, here, here they are. Um, they, they have a supernatural gift, and uh, they do good. And like, that's it, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that, that pretty much makes up a, a superhero, okay? And, and then he and then went on to say, uh, that's actually what we are as Christians. You, you see, uh, those of us who actually choose to do good um, and have trusted in Jesus Christ, we've actually been given the Spirit, and he has uniquely gifted each one of us supernaturally with the gift that we have to be able to do good. We are, as Christians, superheroes everywhere we go. And that's what the Bible tells us. If we've trusted in Christ, he's actually supernaturally gifted us. He's given us a spiritual gifting that sets us apart and makes us unique. And it gives us a specific role in this thing called life and this thing called the church and the mission that we go to accomplish. But even, even superheroes have their limitations. I found this out by playing Lego Batman on the Wii with my son, four-year-old, uh, the other day. I was, I was playing with him, and uh, really this is just an excuse for me to play games. Uh, but I'm playing with my son. And, uh, and, and in this game, we have like Batman and Robin, you have other superheroes, but we haven't got to them yet, so we just have those two. And I keep trying to perform this, this move in order to get to this next, this next round, and I can't figure it out. And, and you can see my son is visually frustrated with me. And he's like, Dad, you can't do it that way. And, and I'm like, I, I don't know how to do it. So he comes over, grabs the controls out of my hand, switches to Robin, and then, then pertains to go ahead and do the, the thing that I was trying to do with Batman. He says, you can't do it with Batman. You can only do it with Robin, Dad. <laughs> okay, you're right. See, even, even superheroes have uh, certain functions because of their giftings that they're able to do that other people can't do. That is how it actually works with us and the body of Christ, with our spiritual giftings. Everyone who has a spirit has been gifted, and that gifting actually lends itself toward our purpose. Now, you are uniquely gifted, both supernaturally and naturally. So let me, 
Let me switch over to the, the physiological side of this equation, the fitness side of things. We're going to use biology to kind of get you there. Uh, and and this, is, this is how we're going to go about it. There's a concept uh, in the athletic world that has to do with, with muscle fibers. And, and, and there's actually some, some study and some research done on this that, uh, that based upon the types of muscle fibers you have, it will actually lend you to naturally be good at certain things and to be wired at certain things. And since I've already conveyed to you guys that I'm not an exercise science major, I have a video to explain this. So take a look at this. In running, you've all seen the sprinter and the marathoner. One looks like an 80s movie character, and the other like he's had too many crash course diets. They're both runners, so how come they don't look alike? Simple. They practice different sports. It's explosive strength versus endurance. The answer is in the way these athletes train their muscles. What you need to know about muscles is that they contain different fibers, fast twitch and slow twitch. A sprinter will primarily train his fast twitch fibers. These react instantly and work super fast, but quickly run out of power. When trained, fast twitch fibers naturally become big and heavy. On the other hand, a marathoner uses mostly his slow twitch fibers, not as reactive and speedy as their fast twitch brothers, but they can work nonstop for hours. Even when trained, these fibers remain slim and light. Okay, the running capability of both athletes don't only depend on the physique of their legs. The upper body is also important. For the sprinter, to be able to burst from the starting line and to maintain a good rhythm whilst running, he needs balance so his arms should have a considerable size as well. So he works out his upper body in the gym. That's why the sprinter looks very muscular. And because the sprinter only has to perform for a couple of seconds, the added weight is trivial. The marathoner is a different story. Every pound in his body has to be carried around for a total of 42 kilometers. He gains a lot of benefits by being light. So all excessive muscle mass and fat has to be shed in order to be a top marathoner. That's why he looks so skinny. On top of the difference in training, genetics also play a part. A normal person has about an even amount of fast and slow twitch fibers, but the persons that make it to the top tend to have more of one kind. So even untrained, they wouldn't have the same physical appearance. The sprinter and the marathoner, both runners, yet different athletes. In aren't, running, you Aren't you glad that I didn't explain that? This was, this was much better. I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but those like uh, those those images of the different types of body types, I couldn't help but but think of of two people that I know of when I saw those. Matter of fact, let's yeah, that's okay. Maybe it's the other way around, <laughs> but you get the point. All right, so here's the deal. Okay, uh, each one of us is genetically predisposed, that's not the right word, predisposed, that's what I'm looking for, to excel in, in an area or another because of, of the genetic makeup that we have, all right, when it comes to these muscle fibers. That's not a good thing or a bad thing, it's just how we are, and it makes, it's important, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. Um, and so what I want to do is, is I want to, I want to make sure that you guys understand the concept of these two different things, this, this fast twitch and the slow twitch muscles. And so we're going to play a little sports quiz here with you for a moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name a sport, and then you're going to yell out whether you think it's a fast twitch muscle sport predominant or a slow twitch muscle uh, uh, fiber sport predominant. Okay, so what you'll do is just say fast or you'll say slow. Okay, we already saw a couple of them there. We'll start off with sprinting. Fast twitch, very good. Okay, what about uh, marathoners? Slow twitch, very good. What about baseball? 
Fast twitch, right, yeah. Now, you, you, baseball players come in all shapes and sizes. They really do, okay? But it's all about like slow, it's all about um, quick um, muscle movements, uh, hitting, throwing, running, that kind of stuff. What about soccer? Slow, very good. Um, that, that is actually predominantly an endurance sport, even though there are some, you'll need fast twitch muscle fibers to excel in that as well. Um, what about volleyball? Fast twitch, that's right, fast twitch, okay? A very explosive sport. Matter of fact, if you've ever seen uh, my brother Aaron Pennington play volleyball, uh, he will straight up fast twitch spike it in your face if you're not looking, all right? He will, he'll jump up there and get it. Uh, what about hiking? slow twitch. If you happen to see Aaron up on top of the mountain, you might actually need to console him, though. He was out of breath when he first came up here to give the announcements at the beginning, okay? So, just understand. All right, what about bowling? Yeah, don't think too much about that. I don't think they use any kind of muscles. (laughs) Probably not even a sport. Sorry if I offended any of you bowlers here. Uh, it's important to know how we're wired, okay, just for what this was talking about. When you know how you're wired, you're actually able to take both your genetic wiring and you're actually able to cross that with specific training and programs and exercises so that you can actually kind of live in this. As a matter of fact, there's a diagram here. You can see the, uh, the G stands for genetics in this, okay? So looking at the genetic wiring and then when you look at E, which is exercise, when you, when you overlap those two things, what you're going to see is you're going to see an acceleration or a productivity in that particular area of your life. The things that you're naturally good at and then you excel because of the training that you put in, in place, okay? Now, uh, this is not a complete thing to be able to understand your athletic fit, though. There's a missing component to this, and, and that component I'll, I'll call passion. It's a piece. I'll show that next slide, okay? It, it's passion, and passion is kind of the X factor when it comes to finding your athletic fit, you see, all of us know people who are actually naturally wired to do stuff, both genetically and they train that way. They just don't have the passion. They don't have the love for the sport, and therefore that won't ever be a fit for them. And so you need passion in order to be able to be the motivating factor behind actually excelling in, in a particular athletic prowess. Now, you all might be thinking, uh, most of us are past our athletic prime, okay? It doesn't hurt for us to still think about it, guys, okay? If I was only six inches taller, you know? If I, well, probably about a foot taller nowadays playing basketball. But that doesn't stop us from dreaming. You're probably wondering, what does athletic fit have to do with finding our purpose? Guys, trust me, I'm getting there, I promise, okay? For right now, just keep that image in your mind. We're going to come back to that equation. Let's jump back on that faith train. It's going to take us to the next station so we get a better view this concept of purpose. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. This is what Paul continues to say. He says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. Now understand, um, in this moment, um, Paul is actually talking about a specific types of gifts, actually leadership gifts, that, that gift that correlates to the calling that we're talking about here. These are not an exhaustive list of the things that he's supernaturally, uh, that spirit supernaturally gifts us with. Uh, matter of fact, he, he lists them in terms of positions, leadership positions, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And this is the important part of that, that, that equation, okay? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ, did, did you guys catch this? You see, church leadership, pastoring, is actually personal training. That's, that's what a pastor is supposed to do. They're not supposed to do the work for you. They're supposed to actually prepare and equip you for the work, just like a personal trainer does. 
see, a personal trainer can't sit down on the bench press and do 10 reps and then you receive the benefit. That doesn't, that's not how it works, right? No, a good personal trainer sits down with you and he discusses where you want to be and what you want to look like and, and, and he helps you to establish some goals and then he sets some parameters to walk alongside of you and keep you accountable and then he, he spots you and he, he encourages you and he corrects you to keep you from getting hurt and then you pay him a lot of money, which is where that correlation breaks down between pastors and personal trainers, okay? Yeah, you just now get that, all right. But just like a personal trainer, a, a pastor's job is not to do the work for you. Matter of fact, a lot of pastors and a lot of churches have been set up in a way that's actually disabling to the body of Christ. It actually makes the body weaker instead of stronger like we're supposed to. Because um, you think it's our job to do these things, and we take it on because it makes us feel important. But our job is actually to equip and empower you in the things that God has gifted you to do. To encourage you, to spot you to correct you, to, to help course correct in those, in those situations. That's what our job is. And here at, here at Trace, what we want you to know is that uh, there are lots of things that you can get involved in, that you can serve at, you can use your giftings, but we have absolutely no desire for you to fill a gap. We want you to fill a purpose. We want you to fill a purpose. And, and there might be some things that we offer that uh, align the needs that we have with the purposes that you have, and we want you to do that, Okay. But there also may be things that God has gifted you, spiritually gifted you. You've had, you have a passion and a purpose that you found that we don't have to offer here. Well, if we're being true to our mission and we want to be a church that sends people out to be a trace of God's love everywhere we go, we want to support you in that passion, even though it's not something that we are doing here. That's the kind of church that we want to be, one that lifts you up, one that puts you in a place to where you can be benefited and those around you can be benefited as well. Well, here's the deal, guys. The large majority of us, uh, truth be told, are not living in our God-given purpose. We're just not there yet. And so we need some guidance. We need some direction. And I, I want to show you uh, an equation that will help to get you there. Now, th this equation is not going to solve all your problems. It's not going to unlock the keys of life to you, but it will help you as you're processing through this. It'll give you some framework to do it. And, and I, so I want to show you this, this Venn diagram. We, we just saw it a minute ago, but it has a little bit different equation. And so here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk you through this. And in the center of these three rings is this concept of purpose. The first P that you see up there is, is passion, okay? We're gonna keep a passion. That is the motivating force behind what we do. Now, in life, what that looks like is, what are the things that excite you? The things that you get up in the morning and you're like, man, I wanna tackle that. The things that, that nobody would have to pay you and you would still do it anyway. Or maybe it's on the flip side of that equation. What are the things that disturb you, that discourage you, that, that actually discontent you? Matter of fact, Bill Hybels would call this your holy discontent because God has put those things in you as well. It's like, I can't believe that we're letting that thing happen. Well, that is a passion. That is an indicator for a passion that you have. And it might be something that, that God wants you to go and, and tackle. Okay, so what, what are the passions that you have currently? List those things and look at them. The E stands for experience, okay? And this, this, this category can really, uh, it jumbles a lot of things. Everything from your education to, to things that you learned in, in job skills and job training. It can also, it can be from your upbringing. Uh, it, it, can, it can be from things that have happened to you in life, whether they're good or they're bad. As a matter of fact, uh, all of your experiences, especially the bad things, are redeemable when it comes to your purpose, 
This is something that we'll actually be talking about in the next several weeks. Uh, when we start the, uh, the series next week called Pain Sucks, we'll be diving into this. But those are your experiences. Those are unique things that you've had, either done to you, that you've experienced in life, that will actually equip you towards your purpose. Write those things down. And then the G. Uh, the G stands for giftings. Uh, both the natural ones, the things you have a natural inclination for, and the supernatural ones. As a matter of fact, there are spiritual gift tests that you can go online and you can take and you can find out some of the things that you might actually have received from the Spirit that would help those that are around you and, and help you discover what your purpose is. Each of you has been uniquely spiritually gifted. And you don't have to go to a spiritual gift test to be able to figure that out. As a matter of fact, if you start to talk to some other people who love you, who know you, and you ask them, what are some of my giftings, do you think? I guarantee that they're going to point some stuff out to you that you didn't even know about yourself. Or they'll say something and it'll resonate with you and you're like, yeah, you're right. I, I do see that in myself. And what happens is when you take your passions and your experiences and your, and your giftings and you mold them together and, and you see this sweet spot, um, as Max Akeda would call it, 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 the sweet spot in the middle is really where you have been uniquely designed for the purpose. And that purpose, that purpose is not only for you, it's for other people around you. You are fit for purpose. Ephesians 4, 16 says this. He makes the body, as God, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it actually helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthier and growing and full of love. I want you to keep that verse up there for me, Caleb, if you don't mind. Um, but I want to give you an illustration maybe help you understand this a little bit further. You see, I, I love the game of basketball. I, I love everything about it. I, I love watching it, except for when my team loses twice in the same week. That, that really stinks, all right? Uh, but um, I, I love playing it. And I, I learned at a, um, at a young age through introspection and good coaching that my five-foot, eight-and-a-half-inch frame, mind you, uh, was never going to make it to the NBA, all right? didn't take a rocket science to figure that out. Uh, I, I'm not good uh, at rebounding. I don't do a whole lot of shot blocking. I don't have really a scorer's mentality when it comes to basketball. Some of you are asking how in the world I could even play, okay? Um, but this is what I found out. I found out that I was actually pretty good at playing defense. And, uh, and I was also, I was really good at, at getting the ball to people in a place that they could score. And, and, and if, if you put it in this perspective, when I started thinking about that and I started to live, I kind of found my... I found my fit. I found my role. I found my purpose in that particular sport. And when I started to be okay with that and I, and I started to be content with that was the fact that, that was my role, something really important happened. You see, finding my fit on the team actually helped the team succeed because I wasn't trying to do something that I wasn't naturally or supernaturally gifted to do. I was doing things that I was actually good at and then I started working on that craft to become really good at it. And everybody else in that circle started to benefit from me finding my fit. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to say here. He says, he who makes the whole body fit together, that's God. He's designed us. He knows how we he fit. He made you a finger. He made you a foot. And he made you an eyelash. And he said, this is how you fit to the body. I've designed it perfectly. Stay within your role. And you will do incredible things. And we will do incredible things. And it says, as each part does its own special work, here's what happens. It helps the other parts of the body grow. That's what it does. When you find your purpose and you live in it, you actually benefit 
everyone around you. And, and this is how you benefit those around you. When you do your part and you're next to somebody who knows their part, it actually accelerates the mission and it accelerates your ability to do those things. When I know that I'm a passer and they know that they're a scorer, they're not trying to pass me the ball. I'm trying to pass them the ball and they're ready to score whenever they get it, okay? So we partner that way. The other thing that happens is whenever you know your passion and somebody else around you doesn't know their role, doesn't know their fit, it gives them encouragement that they actually have a role in this and they will pursue it because they see that you have a purpose and so they wanna pursue that as well. For those of us who have kids, when they see that we don't settle for something less than our purpose in life, they realize that they shouldn't settle for anything less than their purpose in life. God's got something for them. That's what I wanna talk to you guys in conclusion about. You see, I know that each of you are here and you're at different places on this pursuit of purpose, this journey in life. And some of you, some of you are honestly asking the question inside your mind, inside your soul, does God even have a purpose for me? Do you mind if I address that with you for a moment? I want to just, I want to, I want to wipe that question away from your mind because I want to give you an answer. That answer is not if. God has a purpose for you. He's designed you. He's created you. Even if you don't believe in him, he's uniquely equipped you to do something for him. And, and it's a purpose to give you hope and to help you, not to harm you, to, to be able to give you a future and a part of this puzzle called life. So stop asking if God has a purpose for you. He does. Start asking what that purpose is. And maybe for you this week, you need to peg it, P-E-G, all right? You need to peg it and figure out what is it that sits at the center of my passion, experiences, and giftings. Now, now for some of you, quite frankly, you've been discouraged, disheartened, uh, on this pursuit for, for purpose because you've pursued it and maybe you thought you found it and all of a sudden it just got wiped out from under your feet and now you're sitting there floundering, wondering what's next for you in life. Maybe you've entered into a different stage and, and your purpose has actually changed and you just kind of want to sit on the sidelines because it, it hurts too much to enter back into that pursuit. Might I suggest that you shouldn't be doing that alone? Might I suggest that, that you actually enlist a, a trainer, a coach, somebody that will stand alongside of you and be able to help you figure out and navigate what is it that you're actually good at? What, what is it you, that you think that God has actually called you to do? Because when you have somebody else standing next to you, man, it, it, it helps you overcome that discouragement that you might have experienced in this life. And for those of you, and there are some of you here, some of you are sitting here right now and you know what your purpose is. You might not have verbalized it. You might not have written it down. But somewhere deep inside, locked in your head, you know what it is, but you're not living in it. And you're not living in it because you know that to live in that purpose would require some significant changes. It would require sacrifice. It would require venturing into the unknown, uncomfortability. Might I remind you of something? Your purpose is not just to benefit you, but the rest of this world is missing out because you're not currently living in that purpose right now. So whatever fears, whatever difficulties, whatever sacrifices need to be made, take courage, step into that purpose and live in it. Mark Twain says this, says the two most important days in your life 
for the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. Guys, let's not settle for not knowing. Let's find our purpose and let's be fit for purpose. Will you pray with me? Father, we... It's a scary thing for us. It's a scary thing for us to venture into this conversation because it requires uh, deep thinking, sometimes that we don't want to do. We know that it requires us to work hard. Sometimes we don't want to do that. Lord, sometimes it requires sacrifice and facing our fears, but I pray that you'd give us courage to pursue our purpose and, and then to live in it as well. Lord, for each of us that are here today, remind us that you have given us one. I pray that we would open our, our hearts, open our minds, open our souls to be able to receive that which you have put in there. And for us to be able to know crystal clear what it is and to go after it with all of our hearts. And in so doing, Lord, that we would together move forward the mission that you have given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.